Everyone has a parent. It could be adopted, biological, foster, or just a guardian. In this podcast, we attempt to answer what it means to be a parent and try to get inside the minds of parents. We started off the interview asking questions about what it was first like to become a parent. How did you feel from the moment you knew you were going to be a parent? Oh, man, that's a great question. Uh, I felt good. I, uh, I, my first child was, uh, I was pretty young when, when uh, we found out when he was conceived, so uh, the odds were not in our favor. But I, I grew up in a broken home, and uh, at the forefront of my mind was always, uh, I can't wait till I'm a parent so that I can do it better. Uh, that, that was always a prevalent thought in my mind. And um, uh, I, uh, when I found out I was uh, going to be a father, I, I, I was elated about it. Being a mom, I love being a mom. I didn't necessarily like the whole pregnancy thing. So um, it, was, it, wasn't my, it wasn't fun for me. I don't like the whole, I, I did not see myself glowing. <laughs> so, um, but I was scared. I was nervous. I was um, all those emotions running through you. And then the first time you feel the kick and stuff, then it's kind of like real, you know. So, um, yeah. So, yeah. But uh, it was um, extremely emotional. You have all those emotions running through you. So, yeah. And how did you feel after giving birth? Well, I um, I did it all natural. Ooh. Oh yeah, I uh, did fourteen and a half hours of labor. Wow. Had her, and all that pain just instantly went away the minute they put her in my arms, and uh, she had my face, oh. and she looked just like me, and so um, I love at first sight. You know, they say, oh, I'm in love with so-and-so, and I'm in love with so-and-so. No, you're in love with your kids. Okay, so our next question is, how or what type of instincts did you have as a parent? Instincts? Yes, ma'am. Mm. Um, I always knew when she was lying to me. I always could tell. Because <laughs> she couldn't, like, look me in the eye, you know? <laughs> She is a horrible liar. I am too, though. But um, I, I knew when, um, when something wasn't going right. Uh, when something wasn't going right at school. When um, just things were off. Like friends or whatever. Things were off. So. Again, growing up, uh, uh, my father was very abusive and, and spent you know, time in and out of prison. And... Uh, uh, and we were always poor. So my brother and I always had a what not to do approach to it. Now, don't get me wrong, there were times, there were certain things my, my, my dad did. My mom left when I was two, so I didn't have a mom in the house, but, but uh, there were certain things he did instill in us that was good, like you know repairing your own car, fixing your own issues, uh, physical issues as far as maintaining a house and cars and things like that. But just about everything else was a, that can't be the right way to do it. <laughs> and there's a valuable lesson in that. There's a valuable lesson in what not to do. Uh, uh, but I also had other 
male mentors in my life who were uh, excellent uh, uh, role models. Um, and my grandmother, though, my grandmother was a great role model, so I always thought, you know, when I'm a parent, I'm going to be like Grandma Wa. I'm going to be involved only in the level which is required of me uh, at a certain point, uh, and, but be very supportive intellectually and, and as far as motivating my children. And we followed up with questions of what it was like being a parent. Best and worst parental advice you've received? The worst, uh, let me go to the best. The best parental advice uh, 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 I received was from my grandmother. My grandmother told me one time, uh, uh, I'm not, I, I would say, well, dad this or dad that. And my grandmother would always say, I'm not raising your dad. I'm raising you because your dad's not here. Okay. And so I always thought to myself that that's such valuable advice that when I look at my kids, I'm not raising me. Uh, so I can't, I, some parents, some, I guess older people in general tend to think that every generation that came after them is worse. So if you had it the way I had it, it would be better for you. Even though when we look at the way we had it, it sucked uh, sometimes. Uh, I, I, I want to be like grandma and say, you know, I'm not raising me. I'm not raising Toby Wall. I'm raising Greg, Alexander, Emily, Roman, and Kane. Okay? And uh, uh, those are five different individuals, and uh, none of them are me, and uh, I need to meet them where they are take them where they need to be in some things and uh, get out of the way and let them fail every once in a while. And the worst advice? The worst, uh, the worst advice I ever got in parenting was uh, uh, I was told that childbirth was a miracle of God. Like they told me, when you see a child be born, you'll know that the miracles do happen. And I've seen five children be born, and I'm still not convinced it's a miracle. If it was a miracle, it'd be much greater, much easier process. Uh, that process is not miraculous. <laughs> that process is biological. <laughs> it is <laughs> it is painful looking. It, it is uh, uh, it, it's not a miracle. In my book, miracles happen much smoother and easier <laughs> than that process happens. But anyway, that was bad advice. So when I went in, I went in thinking that I was going to see some harps playing in the background oh here's your child it, it was uh wow it was harrowing and even the last two were born c-section uh that was two new experiences oh god you know uh no miracles yet i still haven't seen any miracles i maybe a child through osmosis just floats up oh, with harps you know but it wasn't miraculous all that stuff i'd heard when i was a kid it was very biological and uh very uh I, my respect for the opposite sex grew profoundly after my first child uh, was born. They are their own person, and you can't force them to be you. They're not going to be you. They're not going to be their father, mother, whatever. Um, they're going to be their own person. They're their own creation. And we want them to be you know, like us in some form, but they are their own individuals. 
and you have to allow them to be that. Um, the worst advice I ever got uh, was um, that she should dress a certain way or whatever, and I, of course, balked at that idea. I just said no. Um, that she should wear more dresses and stuff. That wasn't her style. And so um, I think that bothered me that people said that she should, you know, dress a certain way. What is something you wish you could do that's better for your child or kids? Uh, my daughter is struggling with uh, uh, mental illness right now and I can't be there with, like there's some things I can't provide for her. And uh, uh, that is just killing me and it sounds selfish, but it, there's some ways I, I don't know how to be there for her. And I, I, that kind of lack of control bothers me at some fundamental level. And I wish I, I wish I was better equipped to deal with uh, 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 the disorder she's she's experiencing right now. And she's doing good. She's working and, and uh, living on her own successfully. But uh, uh, she's my only girl, and I feel I've always felt like a little more. I can't help it. A little more uh, of a care caretaker for her than I. That's for my boys, a protector, I guess. And I can't protect her from this like I want to, so it, that bothers me. But uh, other than that, uh, 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 no one, I don't think you're ever, I've heard people say that before, you shouldn't be a parent till you're ready. Well, then you'll never be a parent. Because just when you think you got it down, that's when something happens. I wish that I could have um, helped her with tutoring more in school. She had some hard times in school, but I was going through college at the time, and so she struggled a lot in high school um, and had to go through an, like the Rise Academy to finish out school. Um, and I wish that I had been able to help her more with that. Um, she also suffers from a lot of anxiety, and if I had seen that earlier and gotten her some more counseling, I think that I would have helped her. Um, she's 30 now, and I wish I would have seen that earlier, um, seen that she needed to get counseling then. I think the issues with her father and stuff when she was younger affected her more than I realized. If I could go back in time, I'd do that. I'd get her more counseling early on to deal with her father and her trauma. Yeah, the trauma of, of that. Because he was in and out of her life a lot when she was young, and then he just dropped off the face of the planet And um, when she was a teenager. And I think that that really affected her a lot. When uh, you got home, what was your first instinct? Um. We'd sit on the couch and <laughs> watch Gilmore Girls. Aww. That was our thing. We watched Gilmore Girls or Buffy. We loved Buffy, but mainly Gilmore Girls. That was our <laughs> thing. So we would sit there, and um, usually I picked her up, and we would go and get some fries from McDonald's and a drink, and that was our thing. 
I'd pick her up from school, we'd go get some fries, go to McDonald's and get those, and then um, share a, a thing of fries and get a drink and go home and watch Gilmore Girls. And then um, she'd help me with dinner and we'd do homework and stuff. And I mean, that was just kind of, it was just kind of chill, you know. Um, didn't do much as far as craziness, you know, when it was just the two of us. When you get home, what's your first instinct concerning your kids? Homework. The very first thing, uh, uh, and uh, earlier, this is going to contradict what I said earlier about I'm not raising me, but uh, I found out how much I loved reading and problem solving uh, as I got older because I had no adults at home to, to facilitate that love I had that I didn't know I had for, for history and, and politics and uh, uh, religious philosophy and, and philosophy in general. Um, uh, so I had to learn that as I got older and then facilitate it myself. Um, so uh, one of the things I do with my kids is uh, uh, don't let too much time between leaving school and doing your homework exist or else you'll separate yourself from it and and then I also try to use that time even if they don't have homework to facilitate their passion for something like my son has a passion for building so um, if, he, if uh, his grandfather is his best friend and his grandfather lives next door and him and his grandfather build extravagant Lego train track cities and towns uh, it's just amazing what they build together and what they accomplish together. Uh, and they do it usually with a historical point of view. They've done World War I trenches in the backyard, uh, three-story tree houses, and uh, yeah. Uh, and uh, so I consider that it's play, but it's also learning. So if he doesn't have homework, get outside, go do stuff, go build, go dig, go destroy, create. I think a lot, of, a lot of kids these days are missing out on uh, digging a good hole. <laughs> How do you feel about other ways of parenting and other parents in general? Well, uh, it's hard not to be judgmental sometimes because uh, uh, the nuclear family bond is so strong. Uh, anything that goes against that is sometimes like that's the wrong way, but. I've tried my best to try to see the way other people raise their kids is uh, it's not wrong or right, just different. Uh, I have five children and I can count on one hand the number of times I've spanked them. And uh, it was, I've never spanked my, my younger kids now, but uh, my first three years ago, uh, you know, the way they were talking to their mother was just unacceptable. So I took a belt to them, to their butt. And of course I lived in guilt and anxiety over it for a, a week and then I got over it and went on with my life. But, the, uh, um, but there are some parents who lean on things like that. I spank my child. I, I don't really spank my kids as much. Uh, mainly because I know when I was a kid that a lot of abuse started with the idea of a spanking and then graduated, you know. Uh, so sometimes I look at parents who spank, and I'll I'll, I'll feel judgmental, like you know, you're you're uh, 
you're, so you're teaching your kid that the answer to life's problems is violence. Uh, you know, if you do this, you will feel physical pain, you know, uh, and that physical pain will realign you and refocus you, you know. Well, that's the same kind of logic that uh, people who fight all the time use. You have offended me, so I will punch you in the face, so that physical pain will realign you and teach you not to, you know, and that's not, in my, in my point of view and ideology, I feel like that's not a constructive way to build a society so how can it be a constructive way to build a family but the older I get I start thinking about uh, there are some things in life that if you do not pay attention to will cause you physical pain <laughs> that is what the punishment life doles out to you like driving mm. drinking and driving can cause physical pain to other people and to yourself and, and some, some people who are paralyzed you know lifelong pain and agony so I, I don't know you know I'm complete I can't say I'm completely against the idea of spanking but uh, I know I feel judgmental about it whether it's right or wrong I feel judgmental about it I, I always feel uh, if, if I see a kid getting spanked in the store or something which you don't see as much as you used to but uh, I always immediately feel protective of the child, like, uh, even though the, uh, you know, I don't want to judge that parent because that parent's motives might not be, you know, I can't apply the motives that my father had to every parent, that you're doing it just to, to appease some sort of feeling you have, to appease your own anger. Uh, you're causing physical pain to appease your own anger. Um, some parents might genuinely be spanking to teach a lesson. Not for me, though. As long as it's not harmful to the child, like physically, emotionally, or, um, you know, if you're not physically or emotionally or spiritually harming a child, parenting is parenting. You know, everybody's going to have their own way of doing it. We don't get a parenting training class. <laughs> they don't give us a license to parent. <laughs> you don't have to pass a test to become a parent. <laughs> and there's, there's no testing <laughs> to become a parent. Uh, they just say, here's your baby. Bye. And so uh, w however a parent wants to parent, as long as it's not emotionally harmful to the, the child, it's not physically harmful to the child or spiritually harmful to the child, you know, that's the way they parent. Some parents are stricter than others. It comes from their background or their, their religious upbringing, you know, however they want to parent, that's their choice. So you're going to find parents that are more strict. You're going to find parents that are more relaxed. And the parents that are more strict are going to be their way. And the parents that are more relaxed are going to be their way. And then you're going to find some that are right in the middle. And so it's just, it is what it is. Every parent is going to have their own way of doing things. What worries you the most as a parent? <sighs> their safety. Always safety. Are they safe? Are they, you know, taking care of themselves? Are they okay you know that is probably number one on a parent's mind 24 7. i don't care how old they are my mom still tells me to be safe and to be you know be careful she's like don't drive too fast you know look both ways before you cross the street are you okay she tells me all the time to breathe don't worry too much don't don't work too much she tells me all the time to breathe 
And so, I mean, even my mother, you know, and I'm like, mom, come on, you know, but even my mom says that to me. So yeah, uh, parents are always going to worry about their kids safety. Losing a child. Mm. I, uh, they say that like, uh, uh, a parent should never have to bury a child. Uh, but I've been to so many funerals, uh, growing up and, and throughout life and in the military watching parents you know to me it was a soldier but to that mom out there falling it was just some little boy digging a hole in the backyard you know and uh, uh, some they don't see a soldier they see their baby you always see your baby my daughter is 22 years old and she's my baby my sons are 25 or 26 and 25 and they're my babies even though they work construction, <laughs> you know, it's uh, there. It's just always going to be that, you know. Uh, can't treat them that way, but uh, the idea of losing one of your babies is uh, horrifying. I, 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 it sounds morbid. It's probably kind of gothic, but sometimes I have to uh, stop myself in the quiet time from thinking about it because it's morbid to think about that that you have to lose. But, you know, that's part of, part of parenting is the fear of loss. What is something you value most when spending time with your daughter? Her laugh. Um, and the way we can joke around and stuff. <laughs> and we can be really sarcastic. And, like, she knows my level of sarcasm. Mm -hmm. Like... We can sit there and be really sarcastic and talk about things. And because we practically grew up together, I mean, because of my age and stuff, because I was so young when I had her, we like the same things. We like the same music. We can get in the car and she likes the same music I do. And, you know, we can talk about things and we can joke about things and she gets my humor. Um, not everybody gets my humor and that's, it's kind of scary that you know not everybody gets it, so it's kind of nice that she does. So, and I get her humor. Well, it matters since my kids range from 26 to four. You know, uh, uh, I'll have to say across the board, the one thing that unites all five of my kids is music. Uh, no matter my my four year old, my he, today he'll be singing Glass Animals and. The weekend, and even though I don't like Glass Animals or The Weekend, the fact that music is in his life at some level at four years old is always reassuring. Because uh, if it weren't for music, I, I probably wouldn't be here today. My son plays. My oldest son, Gregory, plays guitar in a rock and roll band called Clutch Cargo. They played a show in Dallas this weekend. And they're they're pretty good, and he's been in band since middle school. Uh, uh, Alex. Him, my son Alex and I have always shared the same like of uh, uh, 80s, 70s, and 80s music, so we have that bond. So that, that to me would be the, uh, the thing I look forward to most is singing and dancing, but uh, also eating. My kids praise me for my cooking skills, <laughs> so uh, it's, that's whenever they're around, cook for me, Dad. So I cook for her, and I, I always find pride in it, and I always await the 
adulation and praise. <laughs> I, get, I want that feedback, you know. And if I don't get feedback at the level I think is appropriate, you know, I'm like, you hated it. You know, I get self-conscious about it. But that's okay. Music and eating. Finally, we asked them to reflect on parenting itself. How have your parents affected your parenting? I have learned a lot of lessons from my parents. How not to be a parent. Could you give us an example? Yeah. Um, my parents were uh, not very good at managing their money. They were very much about living paycheck to paycheck. And they're very hard workers. Both of my parents, extremely hard workers. Um, my mom was a nurse. She was an LVN. My dad was uh, in construction. He did concrete and everything. Worked outside all year long, out in the hot sun and everything like that. But when it came Friday night, it was party central, you know. And they partied from Friday night to Sunday, you know. And, I mean, and so there wasn't a lot of money in our house because it was, you know. And so I learned very young that if I was going to have a future, I needed to have an education. And if I wanted to have a future for my daughter, I needed to have an education. So when I got pregnant with her, which was not what I had planned for myself, um, my mom's like, well, just drop out, get your GED. And I'm like, I just spent 12 years in school. I'm not about to drop out. So I went and stayed in school, waddled around the hallways, huge, and um, had her in April and went back to school a week later and graduated with my class because I was like, screw this. I just went 12 years in school. So, and then, you know, I went right to work and stuff and started a 401k and had insurance. My parents never had insurance, you know, had all of this stuff and made sure that I provided for my daughter in a way that I never had growing up. Um, put a savings account together, you know, had that stuff. When she started having asthma problems, I was able to take her to the emergency room and we had insurance for that. So, you know, my dad just passed away in February and then my mom's by herself, but I'm having to take care of my mom now because she doesn't have any savings. She doesn't have any money. And she doesn't know what she's gonna do. And so she's having to rely heavily on my sister and I because that's the life she chose. And so, yeah, I learned a lot of lessons on how not to be from my parents. And I hope I pass that on to my daughter. My, uh, like I said, my mom left when I was two and she remarried and kind of became that family. And she had two kids, my half-brother and half-sister, with that guy that she remarried. So, uh, and they were raised in a really tough environment. I mean, um, we were broke, and they were poorer than us, and uh, they suffered. And so my mom, you know, had a new man every six months, every year. And uh, so they had these strangers coming into their house, and it was, it was very abusive and... Uh, uh, neglectful a lot of times so all this time I was thinking that uh, you know I, I wish I'd have had a mom when I met my brother and sister when we got older I kind of after hearing their stories it was like maybe it was a good thing that my mom left you know that I didn't go that direction 
uh, at least I had grandma and dad's side. So my, my mom and dad, uh, uh, my mom and dad uh, were not good examples for parenting. I will say that on my dad's side, as my dad got older, uh, he started to realize it, which was always relieving because you want to be forgiving. Uh, but if you can be forgiving and the people you're forgiving also become penitent or, uh, you know, uh, they want to be forgiven, that's the best situation. And my dad really showed that toward the end. My dad passed away in January of COVID. And uh, uh, I've done a lot of uh, self-searching about my relationship with my father. Um, uh, and I had the comfort at the end of, of uh, being able to listen to his voice on my voicemails and hear that voice I always wanted to hear when I was 14. Uh, instead of the yelling and screaming and punching and slapping and uh, uh, always wanting to fight. and. Uh, I got, I got to hear that side, finally. A little late, but it was good to hear. It was good to hear him actually say, maybe I didn't do it the best I could. And uh, uh, so while I didn't get a good example of parenting from my parents, I got a great example of uh, uh, being able to understand that it's never too late to say, I'm sorry, you know? And uh, uh, that's a valuable lesson. And some people leave this world never getting a lesson from their parents. And I can honestly say that my mom taught me uh, through her example of what not to be, to uh, uh, love the ones you're with and keep them close to you and, uh, and, and be protective. My, my dad taught me to um, uh, forgive, to, uh, uh, to move on. And those are invaluable lessons, you know. So I can't really say they didn't teach me anything, but I can say they were not good examples at the time of being good parents. So, but that's okay. It, it happens. Uh, I could use that as, a, as an excuse to be a crappy father myself, <laughs> or I could suck it up and drive on and take whatever lessons I can from it and, and move on. At what point does one come successful at parenting? <laughs> when they're still alive <laughs> um when uh they uh, i say when they graduate and they're not pregnant and on drugs and not on the pole no don't say that but anyway <laughs> uh um as far as successful um i think when they become a happy adult you know, or a relatively happy adult. Um, when they're relatively happy with their life and, but I mean, I can't make you happy, you know, and I can't, as a parent, that's not my job to make you happy. I can make you healthy, you know, while you're under my roof. I can make sure that you are being fed and you have a warm and safe bed to sleep in and you're <laughs> getting to school and you're getting an education and stuff. So I have to say that a successful parent makes sure that their child gets to adulthood, you know, in one piece, <laughs> relatively. Um, it's a tough job. It, parenting is probably the toughest job you'll ever have um, because... 
you will shed so many tears. So many tears. Um, joyous tears and sorrowful tears. And they're all worth it. Because it's that love at first sight thing. I don't know if there's such a thing. It's uh, parenting and also being, you know, like I said, my dad passed away, so I've also been very more so, not so much about what kind of daddy was, but what kind of son I was. And I think when it comes to assessing what, what kind of son was I or what kind of dad am I, there is no rubric, you know, uh, other than the basics. Do your children know at all times that you love them unconditionally? You know, if they say yes to that, what 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 other rubric point is there? What is it? I gave them steak and shrimp every night. <laughs> that doesn't even come close. Love love is such a massive thing. It's such a a uh, it's a it's a mystery of the universe that no tangible uh, provisions could even come close to matching being able to give love. So, oh, I even start, I even start to try to figure it out. So, uh, that's what I want to know. When I lay my head at, down at night, does Gregory, Alexander, Emily, Roman, and Kane know that I love them unconditionally, that, uh, that I would lay my life down for them. Uh, and as long as, and every one of them to a team would say, yes, he would. And as long as that is the case, I don't care if it's a 70 or a 100, I know I'm passing. You know? Uh, now, that doesn't relieve me of the duties of, of doing other things, you know, of showing them a good time, of being a disciplinarian at times, feeding them well, uh, giving them clean and healthy living space. I still have to do all that. How did you feel when you started realizing your kids are growing up or they were grown? A relief. I mean, uh, at some basic level, and this is where you can be selfish. Uh, I've always believed, and this, I guess it goes back to that question about my philosophy of parenting, that if I am a good husband, I will be a good dad, no matter what. That uh, if my kids can look at me and say, man, he took care of mom, he adored mom, he, uh, uh, um, he, he was her everything, you know? Then I will be like, you know, well, there, there you go, I'm modeled for you. Uh, whether you grow up and you marry someone of the opposite sex or same sex, I don't care. Just love them. And uh, uh, of course, it took me one marriage to learn that. But uh, uh, because my first three are born from my first wife and my youngest two are born from my second wife. But, uh, but I learned it and that's a good, valuable point. So uh, uh, there are times I miss it, mm -hmm. but my ultimate goal uh, is for them to be happy with their family. And that requires leaving. So get out. No. <laughs> <laughs> and I want, uh, uh, you know what? My wife and I work very hard. My wife's an art teacher at an elementary school. And if you've been in my class, you know I invest myself in my class. And we work very hard 
for a lot of people's kids, not just our own. Uh, and we are looking forward to a time where we can tell the kids to get off our lawn. So if you ask me, how do I, you know, how does that make you feel to see the kids leave? You know, at some point, it's it's like, ah, uh, our babies are all grown up. But to another point, you know what? Go do your thing. Uh, you can't be, can't stay in the house forever. Who would want to do that? I mean, I understand why I wanted to leave my house. And there are kids who, who grow up in way better conditions than I ever did, and they still want to leave their house just as bad. So why would you want kids that, why would you want anybody, even if it's not your kid, to want something so bad and then not look forward to them getting that? Kids want to leave home after a while. They want that independence. They grow up and become young men, young, young women, and, and uh, uh, I want my kids to achieve those things that they want. Uh, and if one of them is getting out of my house, I will help you with that. <laughs> Let me call you an Uber. <laughs> Oof. Uh, I was proud I was really proud I was extremely proud of the fact that um, she had accomplished that you know that she had had accomplished those goals that she set out for herself and um that here she was now, um, you know, this person, yeah, this person that she could be proud of too. We learned from our interviewees that the love a parent has for their child is unconditional. There's no greater feeling than loving your child. Both parents expressed deep emotions towards their children. We found that parenting means simply putting the effort to making your child your priority. Our interviewees wanted the best for each of their children. Becoming parent means removing the selfish part of you and focusing it on your child.